0: Hi, and welcome to Com Church Talks. This is our sermon of the day. We pray it will be a real blessing to you. I know you'll be encouraged, challenged and uplifted by the talk you're about to hear. Holy Spirit's here. I know we need the Holy Spirit. We really do. Miracle Worker. He works miracles. Miracles are unexpected. They just happen. And the Holy Spirit makes them happen. I've had a miracle. You remember what I was like, don't you? Handsome. uh, (laughs) I was suffering arthritis in the feet and I had an operation on one foot and it was unsuccessful um, <clears throat> and then we moved to Wales and I was recommended to the top foot person in Cardiff so we spent a, a lot of time going backwards and forwards having tests and scans and everything else well the upshot of it is he not told us to come in because he wanted to talk to us about what he found. And, uh, <clears throat> and he said, well, Mrs. Browson, we've got some good news and some bad news. <laughs> no, he didn't tell a joke, actually. He said, there's so much arthritis in your feet, both feet, he says, if I was to work on it, I wouldn't know where to start. It's a, but the incredible thing is, firstly, you're not in pain, and you should be. And the other thing is, is all your bones are knitting together. You now he says, I just cannot tell you how that's happening or why it's happening but it is. We'd already told him that we'd had prayer. And he said, It is a miracle. It's a miracle. I've got feet full of pain. Listen, folks, I haven't been healed. I've had a miracle. Hallelujah. Yeah. And miracles happen. And they're going to happen today. Holy Spirit's here, isn't he? They're going to happen today. I'm going to read some scripture. It's Acts 2 from verse 36. And this is the end part of Peter's sermon after the Holy Spirit... Fell upon them. They began to speak in tongues, and everybody gathered round. And he made this first sermon of the early church. And this is the end part of it. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified both Lord and Christ. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. And with many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them save your souls from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted the message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to the number that day. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together Hallelujah. This is the word of the Lord. Hallelujah. And we're going to talk about power this morning. And we've all faced situations, have we not, where we've come face to face with a seemingly impossible task. But none as impossible as the early church faced after Christ's ascension. It wasn't an easy task, which the church faced when she came down from that upper room, to carry carry on the work of a man who was known to have died, to have died as criminals die, and more than that, to persuade others that this man had risen again from the dead and that he was the son of God and saviour. This mission was, in the nature of it, doomed to failure from the start. Who would credit such a fantastic story? Who would put faith in one in whom society had already condemned and crucified. Left to herself, the church would have perished as a thousand abortive sects had done before her and have left nothing for a future generation to remember. That the church did not so perish was entirely due to the miraculous element within her. That element was supplied by the Holy Spirit who came at Pentecost to empower her for her task. The church, you see, was not merely an organisation, not just a movement, but a living powerhouse of spiritual energy. And she accomplished, within just a few brief years, such amazing examples of moral victory as to leave us entirely without any explanation for it at all. Apart, of course, from God. In short, the church began in power, moved in power, and move just as long as she had power. When she no longer had power, she dug in for safety and sought to protect her position. But her blessings were like mana. When they tried to keep it overnight, it bred worms and stank. So what have we had? We've had monasticism, we've had scholasticism, and we've had institutionalism. And they've all been indicative of the same thing, absence of spiritual power. In church history, every return to New Testament power has marked a a new advance somewhere a fresh proclamation of the gospel, an upsurge of missionary zeal, and every reduction of power has seen the rise of some new mechanism for self-preservation and defence. And if this analysis is reasonably correct, then we are today in a state of very low spiritual energy. For it cannot be denied, can it, that the modern church has dug in up to her ears and is struggling desperately to defend the little ground that she holds. She lacks the spiritual insight to know that her best defense is an offense. And she's too languid to put the knowledge into effect, even if she had it. If we are to advance, we must have power, folks. Paganism is slowly closing in on the church. And our only response is an occasional wish drive for one thing or another. Usually money or or even a noisy but timid campaign to improve the morals of the media. Impossible task. And such activities amount to little more than a slight twitching of the muscles of a drowsy giant too sleepy to care. These efforts sometimes reach the headlines but they accomplish little that's lasting and are soon forgotten. The church must have power. She must become formidable. A moral force to be reckoned with if she'd regain a lost position of spiritual supremacy and make her message the revolutionising, conquering thing it once was. I should have bought my soapbox. Is this one the gin? Since power is a word of many uses and misuses, let me explain what I mean by it. First of all, I mean spiritual energy of sufficient voltage to produce great saints once again. That breed of mild, harmless Christian growing in our generation is but a poor sample of what the grace of God can do when it operates in power in a human heart. The emotionless act of accepting the Lord practised among many churches amongst us bears little resemblance to the whirlwind conversions of the past, We need the power that transforms, that fills the soul with a sweet intoxication that will make a former persecutor be beside himself with a love for Jesus Christ. Secondly, when I speak of power, I mean a spiritual unction that will give a heavenly anointing to our worship, that will make our times of meeting sweet with the divine presence. In such a holy place, showy sermons, streamlined personalities will be all out of order A very grief, if you like, to the Holy Spirit. And the emphasis will fall where it belongs, upon the Lord himself and his message to mankind. And then by power, I also mean that heavenly quality, which makes the church as something divine rather than secular. The greatest proof of our weakness these days is that there is no longer anything terrible or mysterious about us. The church has been explained. That's the surest evidence of our fall. We now have little that can cannot be accounted for by psychology and statistics. In that early church, they met together in Solomon's porch, and so great were the sense of God's presence that we're told in chapter 5 that no one else dared join them, even though they were highly regarded. People were in awe of the church. the world saw the fire in that bush called the church and stood back in fear. And no one, no one is afraid of cold, dark ashes, are they? Today, they, they dare come as close as they please. They even slap the provest pride of Christ on the back and get coarsely familiar with it. If we will ever again impress unsaved men and women with a wholesome fear of the supernatural, we must have once more the dignity of the Holy Spirit. We must know again that awe-inspiring ministry which comes upon men and churches when they are full of the power of God. What else do I mean by power? Again, I mean that, that effective energy which God has, both in biblical and post biblical times that power released into the church and into the circumstances surrounding her, which made her fruitful in labor and invincible before her foes. Miracles? Yes. When and where they were necessary. Answers to prayer? Yes. Special providences? Yes. All these and more. And it's all summed up in the words of Mark who said, the disciples went out and preached everywhere and the Lord worked with them and confirmed his word by the signs that accompanied it. The whole book of Acts and the noblest chapters of church history since the New Testament times are but an extension of that verse. Such words as these in the second chapter of Hebrews stand as a rebuke to the unbelieving Christians of our day. There it is, Hebrews 2 verse 4. God also testified to it by signs, wonders, and various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. Well, a cold church is forced to interpret such language, isn't it? She can't enter into it, so she explains it away. We juggle with words, make statements for which there's no scriptural authority, and we'll do anything to save face and justify our half-dead condition. Such defensive twaddle is nothing but a refuge for unbelieving orthodox wimps. A hiding place for a church too weak to stand up. No one with a knowledge of the facts can deny the need for supernatural aid in the work of world evangelism. We're so hopelessly outclassed by the world's superior strength that for us it means either God's help or sure defeat. And the Christian that goes forth without any faith in the miraculous, without expecting signs and wonders, will return without any fruit whatsoever. I think another good title for the book of Acts, if you like, would be Mission Impossible, wouldn't it? No one dare be so rash as to seek to do impossible things unless he has first been empowered by the God of the impossible. The power of the Lord was among them. Wonderful words. Stick that on your fridge. (laughs) The power of the Lord was among them. Is he among us? He's among us. He's among us. He's here. He's in you. He's with you. By his Spirit, his Holy Spirit, The power of the Lord was among them. That's our guarantee of victory. Another drop of gin. Lastly, by power. I mean that divine inspiration which moves the heart and persuades the hearer to repent and believe in Jesus Christ. It's not eloquence. It's not logic. It's not argument. It's not any of these things, though it may accompany any or all of them. It's more penetrating than thought, more disconcerting than conscious, conscience, more convincing than reason. It's a subtle wonder that follows anointed preaching, a mysterious operation of spirits on spirit and spirit on word. Such power must be present in some degree before anyone can be saved. You do understand that, don't you? It is the ultimate enabling without which the most earnest seeker must fall short of true saving faith. Everything else be it equal, we shall have as much success in Christian work as we have power. No more, no less. Lack of fruit over a period argues lack of power, as certainly as sparks fly upward. Outward circumstances may hinder for a time, but nothing can long stand against the naked power of God. Agreed? We might as well try to fight jagged lightning with our bare hands as to oppose this power when it's released upon men. Then it will either save or destroy. It will give life or bring death. A few years ago, I saw, saw a cartoon which all too accurately illustrated the predicament of the church a family was leaving on holiday the car was loaded with baggage and fishing tackle etc and but when the driver tried to start the car nothing happened seeing that the car wouldn't start the wife spoke up she said I had the garage remove that thing from under the bonnet so we could carry more baggage. Do you think that could have had anything to do with it? Yes, lady. That certainly would have something to do with it. But it's very strange that the church has not discovered that we cannot get anywhere without the power of the Spirit. We have a nice-looking car, well-streamlined, plenty of baggage, but nothing under the bonnet. We're all dressed up, ready to go, but we're not going anywhere without the power. We're faced today with incalculable, satanic power and temptation. Only as we are clothed in the power of Almighty God can we ever hope to have victory. On December 26, 1899, at the funeral of D.L. Moody, Dr. Schofield said, Moody was baptised with the Spirit and knew he was. And knew he was. It was to him as definite an experience as was his conversion. Moody himself said, the blessing came upon me suddenly like a flash of lightning. For months I'd been hungering and thirsting for power in service. I'd come to that point when I think I would have died if I had not got it. I remember I was walking the streets of New York. I had no more heart in the business I was about than if I had not belonged to this world at all. And right there, on the street the fire of God seemed to come upon me so wonderfully that I asked God to stay his hand. I was filled with a sense of God's goodness and I felt as though I could take the whole world to my heart. And this happened years after I was converted. Many of us, have no heart for service. Are we honest with ourselves this morning? Honest with God? Many of us don't have a heart to serve Him. We just want things to go along the way they are forever and a day. What we need is what Moody received that day. Isn't that true? We need what Moody received. You shall receive power. Is God's promise and his provision. It's a promise. It's for you. You shall receive power. And the rest is up to us, isn't it? Let's do business with God. Holy Spirit's here. The power of the Holy Spirit's here. And he wants to fill some folks because he wants his church to move forward. He wants his church to get going. There are people waiting to be saved. They're waiting. They're queuing up somewhere. All he needs is his people filled with the Holy Spirit Hallelujah. Let's stand together. Oh, I just feel that we should uh, amen a prayer together, you know. Let's make it as sincere as we can. You know, you need to do a bit of repenting if you, you know, just wandered along and gone your way, and you know you don't want much to disturb your life. You need to say, "Lord, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I repent of that." You, Christ didn't die for that. He died to make me his own child and to make me like him. And Jesus was never like that. So I repent of that, Lord. And we're going to pray, and that's the Holy Spirit, to do something in us, in mighty power, and send us out, yeah? And then afterwards, you know, if you've got other issues, you come out for prayer, is that right? Come out for prayer, you know. If anything's touched your heart this morning you want to do business with God, come out the front. There's the prayer first of all. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, we worship you. We praise you. We bless you because you're present. You're here amongst us. You're in us. You're with us. Hallelujah. Holy Spirit, we give you homage. And we pray, Lord, in the name of Jesus, that you'll do a business in us, you'll do a work in us. Lord, you'll pour power into our lives, Lord, like we've never known before. That you'll make us fruitful, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Lord, pour your Spirit out upon us. We pray. And we all said, Amen. Amen. Come. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Thanks for listening to Com Church Talks. We'd love to hear from you, and you're welcome to any of our Sunday services or midweek comms. For more information or to get in touch, visit our website at www.comchurch.org.uk or find us on Facebook. God bless.